Yeah, Hi. Right. So uh, on with the pod. Yep. Let's go. Let's. What? Hi. What? <laughs> no, no. I said on with the pod. Oh yes. Oh, hello, listeners, and welcome to this very professional <laughs> podcast <laughs> where what? brother and sister Ben and Marine talk and sing can about we, a different week. Can we? Can we have the theme? Can we have? Can we have a theme tune, please, first? Non, tu m'as dit que c'était pas assez naturel, alors j'ai pas d'intro. Bah fais une intro, improvise une intro. Commence avec Hello and Welcome to. Hello and Welcome to our very thoroughly researched program, where brother and sister Ben and Marine, me, talk about an initiative. Okay, that's all right. What are you talking about today? I'm Because on issues and songs, we have issues and songs. So what are, what's your... <coughs> So, What's happening your side? My issue and song theme is vaccination, and more specifically, Andrew Wakefield. Ah, right. Yeah, you did mention to me off air just before we started recording that that is not a great character who you want to complain about, basically. Yeah, I just want to vent because that's the that's why we started this podcast in the first place, isn't it? Just venting. I don't well to raise awareness. Sure, venting, raising awareness, same same. I love venting. Okay. So what are you talking about this La week? La calumnia. Sorry, I uh, rossinied away there. Uh, yep. You know what? Before I talk about my issue, Marine, I wanted to say something about your choice of topic because you know what happened to me? I was on um, a website and they had a review of an album to which they gave one star out of five. So basically they said it was absolutely terrible. It was the latest album from one of the One Direction guys. One Direction is a pop band on yeah, TV yeah. or something. Or on the interwebs. <laughs> Let's be modern. <laughs> And it, it's a terrible album. Really bad. The music's awful. The lyrics are even worse. And I would have never known about this album had they not written this article saying how bad it was. And I actually listened to bits of all the tracks only because somebody wanted to vent and complain about it. So my point here is that actually complaining about negative stuff sometimes only helps raise awareness of the existence of that negative stuff. And a lot of people maybe would have never heard about the person you're about to complain about. Yeah. So you're actually spreading his fame to people who would have been completely oblivious, happily oblivious to his existence. So that's the thing. No, I'm trying to discredit him. No, but I know... Because but he has a, uh, he still has a massive influence. Not with our audience. <laughs> not with our... <laughs> well, you, <laughs> if, if you have... With mum and, and a couple of people around the globe. Well, my issue is going to be nappies and wet wipes and single-use stuff for babies. So why don't you just start with your issue and explain to us who this terrible album person is and why his songs are awful. Just before we get started, here's a little song saying that you really should vaccinate your kids. Give me my booster dose, 
I need one of those. Let's maintain herd immunity. Give me my shot, cause like it or not, I'm protecting the community. Inject me, protect me, respect, disinfect me, and don't neglect me. Please, please, baby, On a lighter note, when I took my daughter to get vaccinated, I was uh, she was in my in my arms, and they came in with a couple of needles ready to send in the uh, the molecules that will then prepare the yep. the uh, the right response from the body, so that the body is prepared when it's an actual attack from outside. Anyway, that's how vaccines work. Anyway, I was holding her, and yes. I thought, you know what sh- I should do now? I should come to the realization that vaccines are bad for kids. And run away with my child so she doesn't get any pain. <laughs> because what happens in your in your brain as a parent is that the paramount thing that you're trying to achieve is safety for your child. You want your beautiful baby yeah. to be happy and to not suffer. And if people are coming in with two little things that you know are going to make your child go all red and scream, 
then you want to avoid it. And there's this sort of hero complex that sort of jumps in at the forefront of your heart and you want to just I, take I your like child the, and run the away. The babies I've vaccinated, the babies I've vaccinated don't feel a thing because they're, they're so chubby, they don't really feel the needle if you go quick enough. Oh, right. Well, my daughter's not fat. <laughs> I'm going to edit that out. Oh, my God. Just to reassure the listener, I did let the nurses and doctors vaccinate my child. I didn't run away and punch the needles out of their hands. Okay, so Andrew Wakefield, born in 57, went to med school, is was a gastroenterologist, so tummy things. Okay. T- a tummy doctor. Right. In 1993, nothing to do with him, but there in 1993 there was an article that linked measles to Crohn's disease. In the discussion of this article, they asked the question, if the measles is linked to the Crohn's disease, is it possible that the measles vaccine is linked to the Crohn's disease as well? But there was no... What is, what is Crohn's disease? It's an autoimmune bowel disease. A vowel disease? Bowel. So you, you just end up speaking... Oh, sorry. Just... <laughs> But they had no evidence for this claim. So it was just a hypothesis they put in their study. Okay. And so we go to Andrew Wakefield. And he, in 1998, published a study which linked the MMR vaccine, measles, mumps, rubella, to... which linked it to autism. So what are the what are what are the consequences of Andy linking the triple shot with autism? What's Well, first I need to tell you a bit more about the study. Okay. The study was conducted in how many children do you think? Two. 12, a bit more than two, but still not many. And he said Ooh, maybe only a measles vaccine by itself would be safer. And by sheer coincidence, not, he patented a single measles vaccine eight months before the study. Ah, interesting. I guess that's an advantage if you're publishing articles and making products. Yeah, that's called a massive bias, and that should not happen. Is it a bit like... The way that we're planning to talk a lot about single-use mugs here at Issues and Songs headquarters and at the same time preparing an actual uh, to-go ceramic mug to sell on the website. Are you really doing that? I've inquired about it, but it's expensive. So... <laughs> Very much like making measles vaccines, but it can work. If one Andrew question. Wakefield can For do it, what so can audience? we. No one yes. is listening to this. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm editing that out because I choose to believe in a world where people are interested about these topics. Apart from Andrew Wakefield, which I'm, it, it's a topic that kind of bores me. I mean, I'm waiting to oh, get to the exciting oh, we're, stuff. We're going to get to the exciting part. I'm a bit disappointed that you didn't think, think that this was really exciting. But anyway, so um, he said he did a new research in 2000 that analyzed gut bacteria on 13 patients this time, but he never published it. He just talked about it in a press conference. So to just do a press conference instead of a study, you don't need the approval of the scientific community and ethics panels and things. So there was a college that offered him new funding 
for a study, but this time on a 150 sample group. So... What's his name again? And Sorry, because I'm Googling him. Andrew Wakefield. He's not even in the top Andrews. There's at least 10 or 20 in front of him. First one is Andrew... Who's Andrew Yang? Is that the candidate to the American election, I think? No idea. The $1,000 guy, yeah. Andrew Scott, Andrew Jackson. I don't know any of these Andrews. No, neither. Hmm. Anyway, so they offered Andrew a new Shia. funding for a study with 150 participants this time, but he actually never did the follow-up study. Oh, right. Because, da 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 the 1998 study was a scam! Ba-ba-ba! <laughs> in 2011 it was discovered that he was commissioned he was employed by a lawyer group who represented families believing kids were getting sick by the MMR vaccine and he was paid $450,000 how much? $450,000 wow I mean you can't really blame him I mean that's fair enough oh my god and he apparently lied I mean, considering about we the get, symptoms. Considering we get $1 per podcast here at INSHQ. Which we don't. I understand. I would have taken the money. <laughs> <laughs> so in his study, five kids actually had pre-existing conditions and three kids were wrongfully diagnosed with autism. And the journalist who bust this story out actually reached out to the families where the kids participated in the study, and okay. most of the symptoms were straight up lies. Oh, they didn't wow. even have the symptoms, so he lied about everything. Gosh! So just to recap, a guy called Andrew, who's not even in the top ten Andrews in the world, so a bit yeah. of a failure, uh, made some fake claims in a study on what year on twelve kids? Nineteen ninety-eight. Ninety-eight. Then got offered to do more studies and stuff. Turned out he didn't want to do those. And he actually got lots of money yeah, from people. Yeah, because they wouldn't work. So who was giving him the money, actually? I didn't quite... Who would um, want to fund... A lawyer firm. Who would want to fund ignorance? So it was commissioned by a group of lawyers who was representing families that wanted to sue the people who did the MMR vaccine. Well, that seems like that's kind of the heart of the problem, isn't it? I mean, what's the motivation of creating these lies and this, this nonsense. And I suppose the reason you're talking about it, it's because this mess has actually gotten quite the reach and people have reacted or connected with it online. Yeah, so I only had the measles vaccine. I didn't have the MMR vaccine because cause I was born in 94 and it was right, after, right at the same time. So he did actually have quite a, a big resonance at the time. Yeah, absolutely. And it still continues now. So the important thing to realise is that there is no link between the MMR vaccine and autism. A uh, 2003 study, multicentric study, said found more than 12 epidemiological studies that found no link, plus multiple others. So the Lancet retracted the paper. In 2010, Andrew Wakefield was stripped of his medical licence. And also, ooh, it, fun fact about Andrew Wakefield... At his son's 10th birthday party, he bribed kids with £5 to use their blood for research. So he would have a control group. That's concerning. Yes! Are you sure that's not one of those made-up art articles online that says you won't believe It was in happened? The Guardian. 
Oh, right, right. It was in The Guardian. Okay, wow, gosh. I mean, that's not very expensive for blood. They could have gotten the the price up, the kids. That's not very smart from them. Yeah, well, five pounds for a kid is a lot. It's, it is a <laughs> lot of sweets. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got a little song for a few diseases which you can get vaccinated against, which I highly recommend you do. All right. And this one is for diphtheria. Why don't I demonstrate after I incubate? I'll make you suffocate. Diphtheria, 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 diphtheria. Oh, that's one of my favorite songs, actually. I mean, not the, with those lyrics. Okay, this is tetanus. I'm a harmless bacteria, but there's no reason to smile. With me, there's a 30% chance that you'll only last a while. Oh, it's my toxin and you'll die if I want to, die if I want to, die if I want to. You could cry too, but you just can't move. This is pneumonia. Every breath you take, everything will ache. Every breath you take, every flu outbreak, I'll be infecting you. I well, that's a nice song, Marine. I prefer old pneumonia. I'm a, I'm kind of a an originals guy. Have you forgotten what uh, what other songs um, you you were gonna do? Have you have you forgotten yeah, the? It was diseases? a long time ago. <laughs> oh, I've got this one. Uh, this is polio. All oh, right. By Cat Stevens. Cool. If I ever lose my legs, I won't moan or I won't beg. And if I ever lose my legs, well I. I won't have to walk no more Cause I've been infected by polio Polio, polio I've been infected by polio Polio, polio Didn't Cat Stevens actually have polio? Really? No, oh my God. Well, I just remember This is suddenly being so distasteful No, I just I'm not sure. I just saw a picture of him once in a hospital. Okay. So. Well, this is the last one, and it's hepatitis B. Hello, I am hepatitis B. Liver damage is my specialty. What else could I do? Oh, yes, infect others too. I can survive outside the body for the longest time. Ooh, for the longest time. Ooh, for the longest time. What's your favorite hepatitis? Um, maybe E. Maybe because you are a junior doctor now. That's your job. Yeah, well, I'm a junior psychiatrist. I don't see many hepatitis. Well, you may have 
patients that imagine they've got one. <laughs> Probably. It hasn't happened yet. What's in the what's in the happy news corner, Marine, today? Oh yeah. Oh, forgot about that. Um I've I've got a song about cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> cocaine. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, co- you know there were tons and tons of bags of cocaine washing up on beaches in France. Really? Yeah. Yeah, okay, let's hear your beach cocaine song. Bags and bags and bags of cocaine Washing up on beaches from France to Spain Bags and bags of overpriced flour Somewhere a drug lord is having a shitty hour Tons and tons of drugs wrapped in plastic The world has never seen this many fish Manic, I know you need a sniff But ask your dealer to think about this Just think about this Just one sniff is enough to make you feel like you've had Ten cups of coffee and some Adderall Just one sniff and you feel invincible Your goals are palpable and you're out of control Just one sniff makes you feel like the Hulk Think about the fish and buy your drugs in bulk Buy your drugs in, buy your drugs in bulk Buy your drugs in bulk Buy your drugs in bulk Buy your bags and bags of cocaine Only in reusable packaging No more single-use syringes for heroin yeah. Share your needles and share your straws Your zero-waste bamboo straws Get your angel dust in glass that's recyclable Who says an addict can't be sustainable? That's how you're gonna feel when you use as many drugs But without the guilt PCP and Kedman in your pocket In a stainless steel locket It's gonna be lit Just one taste and the world goes away But you know what doesn't go away All the packaging from what you used to get high I bet you don't want all the fish to die So buy your drugs in bulk Buy your drugs in, buy your drugs in bulk Buy your drugs in bulk Buy your drugs in bulk Oh wow, so actually the whole point is that it's okay to do drugs but you, not in single-use packaging. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, can I... <laughs> you got it was a joke, right? No, you no, should no. definitely use a single-use syringe for heroin. <laughs> oh, you should. As for vaccines, I suppose, you don't reuse them. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> in my issue today, I am going to talk about uh, nappies and single-use objects that we use in taking care of children and babies. Um, but do you have any examples of good single-use stuff that you would use in a hospital on a regular basis? Yeah, like needles. All right. Well, that's the whole point, I suppose, of my issue in a way, where I'm going to talk about nappies and wet wipes. It's that some things 
probably don't need to be single use obviously cups i mean that's a silly one just have a just have a mug but another one is nappies so everybody around the world thinks it's normal to just put a nappy on your child and it poops inside it and you throw it away and it makes a lot of sense it's practical you don't have to carry around um poopy towels and um, it's just very efficient and actually the ones they have nowadays they're quite comfortable for the child also but in a way it's kind of mind-boggling if you stop to think about the number of babies that there are on the planet millions and millions of babies and that every single poop equals a non-recyclable amount of waste because poop is recyclable in a way that if it just goes on the ground then it just is integrated by nature but these nappies cannot be integrated by nature they're made with lots of petrol <laughs> basically mm, yeah so what's your solution biodegradable nappies oh biodegradable nappies that's smart but then you're still producing waste i suppose and also there's lots of energy involved in producing constantly new um, degradable nappies. Also, I'm not quite sure that that works because the material that's absorbed inside of nappies is non, um, non-degradable, non-biodegradable. Ah, okay. Actually, there's, um, there's lots of wool that goes into making uh, single-use nappies, but also lots of oh, really? uh, crude oil. And chlorine is used a lot also to bleach stuff and to make th- everything ready for the baby. Mm. Also, there was uh, recently a little scandal with the fact that um, some... Uh, what's that product that we talked about in episode one that's really bad? Roundup was... F- cigarette butts? <laughs> no, not cigarette butts in nappies. That'd be weird. <laughs> no, there was Roundup. Traces of Roundup were found in nappies. And that is actually something mm. that's a big deal because it comes into contact with... The, with a very delicate part of the anatomy, right? especially for girls, I think, because uh, a lot of chemicals can be absorbed by the baby from the nappy, I suppose, is the way that I imagine it works, but correct me if I'm sure. wrong. Sure, no, yeah. Also through the butt, actually. That's why French doctors always try and put stuff in your butt. It's because they say that um, you absorb much better through your butt than through your digestive system through the mouth. Is that normal or do we have a weird doctor? <laughs> it depends. I, when I can, I usually prefer giving things to the mouth, just for comfort reasons. Yeah, yeah. A lot of in the Anglo-Saxon world, it's a no-go, and I understand that. I'm more of that Anglo-Saxon ilk, I suppose, when it comes to medicine. Well, you know, no one likes it, right? It's not because you're fifty percent English. No one likes it. <laughs> Nappies, it takes over 1,500 litres of crude oil to produce enough disposable nappies for a baby until it's potty trained, which is about the age of two, two and a half. So that's just for the baby part, because probably T states that they're probably going to use nappies again when they're old. Oh, yeah, we're, yeah, we're talking about babies here, not... not uh... Okay, okay, okay. And it's about 4.5 whole trees per baby per year for disposable nappies, which is a lot of trees. Mm. And the production actually creates lots of chemicals that are, or not create, but uses lots of chemicals, a lot of which are released into the environment, like uh, something called sodium polycarchylacylate chlorine dioxine TBT. And don't ask me what these are, because, I mean, one dollar okay. per podcast is not enough to make 
research into uh, <laughs> really obscure chemistry. But basically, it's not good for the environment. Yeah, we got that. And actually turning wood pulp, which is trees, into paper requires large amounts of water and six times more energy than cotton nappies production of this. What did I write? Oh. And uh, compared to cotton nappies, which are the reusable options that we're going to talk about, uh, it's 230% more water, so twice as much water, and three and a half times more energy than uh, washing and creating reusable nappies for the disposable ones. So that's not ideal. The, the weird thing is that this, there's this famous picture that you can Google is uh, a baby that looks very cute with a nappy, and then next to him, the massive pile of nappy that is the total sum of everything that he will be using during his babiness, mm. his babyhood. <laughs> I love that word. <laughs> Which is a bit odd. Actually... Infancy, by the way. And we, we train babies to use the potty around two, but actually they could be using it at one. We just need better techniques. I heard of uh, German par parents who use a sound association. So every time their six-month-old baby peed, they would go... And then every time they go, then the baby pees. So then they can plan it. So you just have to be really organized. But that's the thing with reusable nappies. They're... So if you take your baby on a train with the same kind of vibration, it will just pee the whole way? That's the thing. With uh, disposable nappies, single-use nappies or diapers, um, it's just... Or the kid. Every time <laughs> you he listens to music, every time there's a B-flat, he's going to pee. <laughs> yeah, just try and find songs in, in sharp keys. D, G, yeah. A. Not too many key changes. The thing about single-use nappies, that's the thing. They are really practical. And you'll know that, especially if you go on... A... If you want to pee less, limit your the key changes. Okay, sorry. Moving the on. The point being, single nappies are quite practical. The alternative is a washable nappy. So what's a washable nappy? Well, actually, it's in two parts. First, you've got probably a nylon nappy or something made of fabric, but that doesn't let uh, liquid go through. So that's waterproof. And then inside it, you've got a piece of cotton, a square, that that is the part that will absorb the pee and hold on to the poop until you change your child. But the thing is that every time your child pees, you, you need... <laughs> you don't change your child, you change the nappy. Yes. Yeah, you keep the child, change the nappy. It's the whole bathwater thing that is the same. <laughs> anyway. Sorry. Do you have a song about nappies? W wait, am I, can I not just talk a bit about nappies first? I can't get, I can't get my info in. I didn't in. you stopped talking. <laughs> no, I didn't. Okay, get your info in. <laughs> well, the whole idea that, for example, you'll find on the Pampas website or on all the big firms that sell single-use nappies... They'll have information like, yeah, but you need to wash the nappies and that uses up lots of energy and that uses up lots of water. But actually washable nappies, which are made of cotton, are better when they are produced for the environment. And even if you do wash them, if you wash them together, you don't have to use a whole machine for one nappy. Obviously, you can have lots and wash 20 in one go. It's actually much better for the environment. Can I just say something? And it depends also how you use your machine and what kind of products you use to wash also and where the water goes and if yeah the i'll just treated. say one yes. thing if you're washing reusable nappies don't put any you know that things to make the clothes softer because uh, that can cause allergic reactions in babies no softeners then no softeners no probably do what we do at home and use just one 
sort of washing machine soap, which is organic and no softener, just to keep it as clean and fresh and natural as possible. Because, once again, it's going to be in contact with the delicate part of your child. Actually, I wanted to thank you, by the way, Maureen, for giving me my first reusable nappy. Which is not a reusable nappy, basically. Yeah. It's one nappy that contains, and then you change the uh, cotton squares inside of them and wash the cotton squares inside of them. It's a really good nappy, and now we've got some new ones that we, that we got uh, online, but they're not as good as the brand you gave to us. But the thing about the brand you gave to us, which is called Wawa, is that it's impossible to buy them because it's just one guy in France, in Paris, making them, and he's completely overbooked. <laughs> so you can only order his nappies maybe, once a month at a specific time. Maybe I can I can see in here the local vegan shop if there are, there are any left. Yeah, they're much better. That's the thing with um, reusable nappies is that it's easy to have an opinion of them just because of one model. But actually there's lots of different kinds and you can see what suits your needs best and what mm -hmm. suits your child best and what you prefer. Well, actually I had lots of numbers and facts about the different amounts of chemicals and energy usage for reusable single-use nappies now, but I can't remember where I wrote them down. Oh, well, do you have a song instead then? Right, my song, well, it's, um, I'm, I'm glad my song is on last today because it's not as strong as your great songs of the episode seven. Um, it's just a silly little song about a baby, and I have to explain this, a little peppery baby because it's a baby walking around with a piece of red pepper eating it and dancing with it. And so this little peppery baby, um, I think, like us, like, never, just go with it, like we had, deserves a world where it can go on big adventures and discover a beautiful, pristine, wondrous nature and planet. And maybe in turn, when that pe little peppery baby is an adult, then that adult's little peppery baby will also have a wonderful world to have great adventures throughout. Listen to this story. East 
the south and lady to the west Oh, she's a big peppery lady A big beautiful lady I love the bluesy feel. The bluesy feel. Yeah. Let's take care of our blue planet. The, the Beatlesy feel. Beatlesy. That takes takes care of our insects. And Brett. Okay. Hey, you know the other thing that I wanted well, to talk about, and I, I wish I'd actually followed what I'd written. Uh, first, <laughs> first of all, I had a whole <laughs> bit about the inventor of the reusable nappy. Who is also, by the way, the inventor of the single-use nappy? So, Angel. Not oh, Angel. I thought you were going to say who is also an Andrew. <laughs> no, she's a Marion. She's a Marion Donovan. She's a famous uh-huh. lady inventor in the states. Of course, it's a woman. <laughs> of course, but she actually spent lots of time in her dad's uh, factory when she was little, because her mum passed away at a very young age. So, in the forties and fifties, uh, she was developing this uh, new idea, and she patented it in nineteen fifty-one. And then a bit later, she patented the single-use nappy that you throw away after one usage, which is fine for the 50s and the 80s when you don't care about the planet. Yeah, they didn't know. They didn't know. They didn't care. But now we know and we care and we have much better technology and all these things. There was a little something I wanted to mention is that with the reusable nappies, basically you've got your plasticky nappy holding in the cotton, but you don't know when the child's peed, right? With the single-use nappy, the child can pee six, seven times inside it and then you change it, or maybe a bit less. Yeah. But with the cotton, you have to check. And I feel like I'm intruding a bit in my child's private life if I'm checking what's up with the nappy now and then. So what they should do, and I I know this exists... That's a normal baby's life. Okay. What they should do is have a little chip inside the nappy that sends you a text when the cotton's wet. But you don't need one for poos because that's quite obvious. You've got a nose for that. You've already got an alert system in place. How about for people who don't have a sense of smell? Well, then they can activate both type of texts. Okay. Well, quickly patent it before one of our many listeners steals the yeah, idea. Yeah, in a way, I'm a bit concerned about it because I don't like chips being too close to our lives. There's an American company at the moment who actually puts chips in each of their customers' hands, which I think is not great. It's very Abed Season 5, Episode 5. Oh, my God. <laughs> Talking of which, do you know whose death they're mourning in that episode? A moist towelet icon, Pierce Hawthorne. Moist towelets, by the way, is yeah. what used to be the name of wet wipes. And wet wipes are also something I wanted to talk about because it's something that you do use around nappies. Got a pocket full of Hawthorns. Got a pocket full of Hawthorns. Because actually, 
a lot of people throw them in the toilet, and some manufacturers even claim that you can throw them in the toilet. What? But you really, really should not. What? Throw your wet wipes no. in the toilet. They end. Think about Brett. My gosh. Yeah, the fish. They end up in the rivers. They end up in the seas, and they create these big icebergs, but not of ice, of poop and and <laughs> and non-biodegradable wet wipes. So that's really not ideal. Actually, so a wipeberg. A wipeberg. In a way, wipebergs are bad, but if the Titanic had hit one of those instead. Probably it would have made it to America. Thank you, Ben, for this whirlwind of emotion. Do we have a bonus song at the end of the episode? Hey, I already had two songs plus the individual bacteria and viruses songs. Yeah, that's true. That's a lot. Okay, and I've got nothing. So see you soon, everybody. For okay. more, enjoy the podcast. Don't forget to share Bye. it. That way, we can actually uh, break that five listener barrier, the glass ceiling <laughs> of the demi dozen. Semi dozen. You can't call that a glass ceiling. Come on. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to no, go. It's can't. hard to go. No, hey, you it's can't. A, it's a tough world out there for small podcasts with songs about issues. Wow. Okay. Bye bye. Yeah, because maybe turn the heating on if it's 35 degrees Fahrenheit or Kelvin. <laughs> Well, you're probably dead if it's 35 degrees Kelvin. Little science joke for you. You know, I had a whole bit prepared. I don't know why that's what I chose to focus on. But the guy who actually widely marketed the first disposable nappy for Pampers was actually the same guy mm -hmm. who developed Pringles <laughs> after having Whoa. used... But he was working for a company, so he was sort of product developer for a company called Procter and Gamble, which is, sounds a bit like if you had to bet on somebody touching your butt. <laughs> <laughs> it does. <laughs> anyway, wow! And he, that episode was a whirlwind of emotions. Wait, I'm not done with Victor Mills, the guy. And oh, yeah, he, and okay. he used actually techniques from the industrial world on food and on soap to make soap and Pringles better. The weird thing is that he lived to a hundred years old. I don't know. I went on a slippery Wikipedia search here, and and <laughs> his advisor for his senior thesis at university, Walder Seaman, sounds a bit like <laughs> hidden sperm. Anyway, yep, yep. <laughs> he was inventor of lots of different types of plastics, which were very useful for a time, but are now a big issue. In, in society and the way we uh, consume single-use goods. And he also lived till he was 100. Isn't that amazing? Wow. So that's uh, Victor Mills developing the product of Myron Donovan, who was the uh, student of uh, Walder Seaman. TM, uh, yeah. Okay. Are you happy you know that now? Are you happy? <laughs> sure. En gros, je chante un truc comme ça. She's a little peppery baby. 